This is the audit room on Clubhouse. We meet every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. That's 11 a.m. Chicago time. I'm Trent Russell, uh, founder of Green Skies Analytics, the go-to place for all things audit and analytics. Also uh, host of the audit podcast. And I'm joined as always by my co-host, Tracy. Hi, everybody. So I'm Tracy Marquardt, um, all over LinkedIn is Europe's leading audit communication consultant. And I generally do training, coaching, consulting for internal audit on communication, leadership, and productivity. And um, just, to, just to drop something in, um, this week I presented at the GRC conference, um, which was very, very exciting and uh, went really well. So I'm really happy to do that. I'm looking forward to the next speaking engagement. All right, Tracy, I know this is a topic near and dear to your heart. We're talking about how to shorten your audit reports. And the primary reason we're doing this one is because I know last month you held a webinar. I had a conflict. You had a webinar on this topic. I had a conflict and I wasn't able to attend. And so for selfish reasons, <laughs> I wanted to make it a topic so I could uh, kind of get the, the unofficial replay, I guess you could say. But uh, with that said, how did, how did the webinar go? So um, we should ask Julio. He uh, he was there for part of it. Um, from my perspective, it went very well. We had uh, probably almost a hundred. I think it was almost one hundred and fifty unique visitors to the webinar. So really huge success in terms of getting the word out. Um, I think it's a hot topic. I think I picked the right topic. Um, everybody's been talking about it, and um, you know, it's just the right moment and the right time. I thought it was it was a. It was good. Why is it such a hot topic right now? Why is it a hot topic right now? Because everybody's tired of uh, the time it takes to edit their reports. Everybody's tired of reading really, really long reports. I mean, the, the question is, you know, what's the value in, in that? Where is the value in that? And who is it valuable for? And, you know, it's just, it's, it's time for a shift. I think we've been doing traditional audit report writing for so long. And there are some audit shops out there. I think um, Julio, I think you dropped a note in um, to the comments. I think I'd love to have a follow-up conversation with you that you guys are doing things differently and you have relatively short audit reports. So there are some smart audit shops out there that are starting to make changes and to innovate. Um, and I think it's a question of um, audit actually getting the momentum to innovate because we get stuck in the the, the old way that we do things so it, it is time for a change yeah and if you know julio you know it should be no surprise that he took an innovative approach to this like he does everything else but what were for those that weren't able to attend like myself what were what would be like the two or three takeaways from the webinar that we might be able to apply it's definitely possible to write short audit reports i mean that's that's the big thing is i think you know, one of the things I talked about is mindset. And very often, you know, we get in the mindset of, oh, I can't make changes or they, they you know, they won't let me make changes. And so it's, you know, taken on the role of, of you know, I guess the leader of, leader of the charge, so to speak, and understanding that it does need to change. <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, putting a plan together and then going ahead and persuading the decision makers that, um, it is time for a change and it can be done and it's to everybody's benefit. So I think that was a big one. It's just that mindset of now is the time, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago and the second best time is today. So stop waiting and, and start taking action. Cause if we don't take action, you know, we just live with the, 
um, same shit, different day as, as, you know, we like to say. So that was one. I think another one is the structure of the report is so, so critical. Time for audit teams to actually look at their reports and see what they can do to, to make a change. Um, I've been working with one client recently, well, two of them, but one in particular, um, they hired me to help them with their audit report structure. And to be honest, there's so many simple things that can be changed. You know, you cut out the sections, you know, that, that I, I call the report in two pieces, executive summary or management summary, and then the detailed report. Now, sometimes different teams call them different things. Uh, but that, you know, pre-detailed findings, there are certain things that um, should be in there, certain things that are nice to have, and then there are things that nobody cares about. So you want to start assessing those and, you know, change your template, make your, your template more visual, um, you know, turn it around, turn it upside down, add a dashboard, whatever it is. But they're, you know, the, the template is the first place to start. Mindset first, then your template, and then you execute. And when you execute, you want to make sure that you teach your team what has to be in each of those sections if you have multiple sections or how to write the audit opinion or the audit conclusion whatever you want to call it um, and it should be short and sweet and it shouldn't be a repetition of the body of the report so there, there are really some simple things that everybody can do to shorten up the reports especially that first part and then the detail the detailed findings, I, I don't think we can get rid of them because some people need them to do their jobs. And so there are, there are different ways that a team can present it, different things that they can include or include less, you know, process description, those kinds of things, because there's no point in repeating the audit client's process back to them. You're just wasting time, you're wasting effort, and they're going to come back and tell you you've got something wrong in the process, and then it's... <laughs> you know, lots of discussion back and forth. So identify what can be cut out of those findings as well and do it. And I'm, I'm happy to have, you know, a 20 minute call with anyone to talk about these things because this is, you know, this is what I live and breathe every single day. And I'm, you know, like nothing more than to help people get their audit reports in good shape. What's the, the number two and number three reason you said it was a template. We'll just call it maybe a poor template uh, for like so a better word. Mindset, the mindset of, it's, you know, change is possible. It's time to change. I'm going to lead the change. And then the, the template structure. And then I think I talked about the, the detailed findings and, and there are things that can be done there, like eliminating process descriptions, duplication, um, wordiness, all that kind of stuff. And in, in between number two and number three, the template, and then like, we'll call it the execution of the template. I know you've seen yeah. like hundreds of audit reports uh, where do you see the most common issue? Is it, hey, your template's fine, but the execution's not quite there? Or is it your template's awful, um, but, but your execution's there, as well as it could be within a, a bad template? I mean, I, I think it's a bit of both. There are definitely elements that are often included in executive summaries that need to be, if, if they're at all, a throwaway paragraph, like methodology. I have one client who wants all the methodology detailed out it's at least a page it makes me crazy because i don't think we need all that now that goes in the work papers i don't think audit has to prove themselves by saying these are the steps that we took to perform the audit you just have a you know a one paragraph that, that says very high level you know interviews document reviews all or 
all that kind of stuff. And that, and that's it. So that's one specific case where you just, you just cut it right down if it's in there at all. Okay. So it's, it seems like it would be tough to get this down to a page. Um, I know Norman Marks has said that he thinks they should, an audit report should only be half a page, which seems kind of impossible. But what do you, what do you think about that? So I think it depends on the audience. So if you are sending a summary, if you, if you want to send something to the board, like the board doesn't always get the, the full audit report and, and often, very often doesn't. So if you look at it in two pieces of what does the board need, the board can probably live with half a page, to be honest. I mean, we, we could do that, but there's a, a resistance to doing that because everybody thinks, oh, I've got to have a list of all the finding titles and I've got to have my little audit methodology paragraph and I've got to have the thank you for your cooperation and, um, you know, detailed scope and all of those things. I mean, they, they have their place, but I, th I think the board report could be half a page, to be honest. And what about the... Sorry, I was just going to say, but not the detail because the operational folks need to know what audit saw and what they need to do to fix it, right? Yeah, that's what I was, what, so how many different reports would you say a given audit would have? Uh, how many reports there should be for an audit? Yeah, so we're talking about the details go to operations folks, there's a management level mm -hmm. and what they care about and then what the board sees. So the other client I worked with in July, we did, essentially two reports. We had the main report, which had a management summary, which included objective and scope and, you know, the period of the audit work and, and, and all of those good things, the audit opinion. And then they had the detailed part. So that was considered the main report. And then we also did a one page executive summary. Um, I think in the, in the old days, uh, before this particular head of audit, all the board and the executives ever got was the one page, but it, it tends to be now that they get both. So we wanted to like split it back out so they're not overwhelmed with all the detail and they get the high level. I mean, they wanna know, um, you know, is, are the business objectives at risk? What high risks were identified and are they being covered, right? Yeah, that's all they care about, right? Exactly. So well, let me take a second to reset the room. So, hey, this is the audit room on Clubhouse uh, talking about how to shorten your audit reports with Tracy Marquardt. Um, if you look in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen, you'll see a hand raised with what appears to be a little piece of paper behind it. If you hit that button, um, it'll let me and Tracy know that you have a question or a comment for Tracy on the topic. Uh, so hit that, let us know, we'll bring you up on stage and you can ask your question or give your comment. Um, with that said, I know, so you did the webinar last month and now you have a, a VIP audit reporting masterclass this month. What could the attendees expect, uh, in terms of takeaways from that webinar? So that's a two hour session and it's going to be very practical. So the webinar was about concepts. It was letting them know, you know, what to do and kind of mapping out a plan of attack on how they could attack their current process. Um, and the masterclass is practical. So we're gonna look at some executive summary outlines. We're going to look at some findings and I'm gonna show them how to start editing findings to make them shorter and more concise and more persuasive. Um, so it's really, it's really practical. And those who do attend can actually 
show their own findings, A, if they have approval, or and B, if they're anonymized enough, um, that they can actually get, you know, be hot-seated and get some feedback on their own writing right on the spot. So that's two hours. It's August 19th. There is a fee, though, for that one, so the webinars are always free. Um, that was 97 euros for the two hours and they get a certificate. Uh, but it's really, it's, it's hands-on. There are a few more spots open if anyone's interested. Um, yeah, that's the, the offer to be able to bring your audit report to the degree that you can. And, and what, what do you do? Do you work on it kind of live or give feedback on it live? Yeah, so I generally, um, in these short sessions, I don't look at them in advance, but they put them up on the screen. So it's using Zoom meetings. So this is not webinar where you're hidden and you can't speak. This is everybody's equal in the meeting. They have their videos on, they can mute and unmute themselves. And of course, use the chat and ask questions and things. Um, and then have the ability to put their particular piece of writing up on the screen and get some hot feedback from me. Pretty sweet so it's office. kind of exciting, actually. Yeah, 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 I like that a lot. And there's two CPEs that come with it? Sorry, I didn't hear that. And there's two CPEs that come with that also? Absolutely. Very nice. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how can people register for that? Gosh, there, I can put a link in under the, in our clubhouse post from today. Okay. To, to get that. So we're going to put the events up. I think uh, we'll have those events up, uh, a LinkedIn event and a Zing event. Zing is the German LinkedIn. We'll have events up uh, probably latest Thursday, but I'll put a, I'll put a link up in, in our clubhouse post. So, okay. And, and what if, so I am going to attend, I want you to look at my audit reports, uh, maybe use me as an example, but the queue is too long, so I don't get a chance to do that. What is, how could I then have you do that for me at, at some point? What's like the next step if that doesn't happen? So right now we're a small group, we're under 10, which is actually ideally, I wouldn't want to go past 15 in the group anyway, because this way everyone can have a short uh, hot seat and I think I can't remember when I put in one of the emails if it's like three to five minute hot seat so you, you I can I can tell you three or four things in, in five minutes absolutely <laughs> Not a problem. okay and then after so everyone, so everyone would get hot seated and certainly if somebody didn't I'd be happy to take the time afterwards to have a short conversation with them okay and then after that is there anything else that you have uh, after that session man I do, I do. Um, I have an open audit report writing workshop and I think it's September 20th and 21st, two half days. So it's my standard workshop. I delivered this, I think in June for the IAE Luxembourg. So it's the same course. So it's a little more generic. It's not tailored to any one particular company. Um, and if you sign up for the masterclass, then you can actually buy a seat in the course for 297, which is absolutely ridiculous. But um, it's just a deep discounted price, and I'd like to fill it. I'd like to, I'd like to share the stuff I love on audit report writing with a whole bunch of people and help them. So yeah, and you've been doing this a long time. I, I'm curious about kind of the evolution of the audit report because I would imagine whatever you're doing today has changed from whatever you're doing 15 years ago to some degree. Um, how how has that changed? It's totally changed I would say I remember the first time I taught this course was in 2005 for the German IIA and it was all about language and style and being concise and well um, but that evolved into 
making, you know, the art of writing findings, you know, following the IIA attributes, how do we use language to follow the attributes so that we don't need subtitles, um, why that language is good, and why it works, and, you know, how that IIA structure um, is highly persuasive, because you take the reader by the hand through your argumentation with your criteria, condition, cause, um, risk, and recommendation. And we talk about finding titles, and there has to be, in German, we have this thing called the Rote Faden, the red line. And there has to be a red line right from the criteria down through each of the attributes through to the recommendation. But then you pop right back up to the finding title, and there's it's all about to make sense, right? So it really shows you if auditors have the critical thinking skills they need when they're designing a, a, or crafting a, a finding title. You know, finding titles can be, it's one of three things it's a topic like the audit scope area or something like that it's um the essence of the condition or it's framed as one of my clients says in the positive more as like a recommendation and i would say typical practice would be to write it as the essence of the condition and that's where you can see everyone's critical thinking skills and they boiled this binding down to eight words mm you know, six or eight words. And um, once, you know, whether it's through the masterclass or through the audit report writing workshop, once you see it in your own words and your own writing, you, you know, it's, it's really like an aha moment. The light bulb comes on and you're like, okay, now I see, because what I want to do is teach them to see what I see so that they can do it without me. And I have many, many clients who, who, who I have, you know, conversations with later, you know, catch up calls, whatever it is. And like, oh, we were writing that report and we looked at each other and said, what would Tracy say? (laughs) (laughs) They put that Tracy hat on um, to try and make it, you know, clear, concise and persuasive. So, so it's good. Is there any, so I'm thinking about this as a, an auditor, if, if I'm sending someone else outside the company an audit report, I'd be kind of hesitant to do that. What kind of like comfort could you give those folks um, they're like, yeah, this would be great, but I don't know if I should really share this with someone outside the company. Um, so for the masterclass, they would either have to be the, the CAE and self approve, or they would have to get approval and then anonymize it. So I have one client who all of the, and I review the reports every quarter, I review, I think it's six reports every quarter. And, and I, I give them feedback using a radar diagram based on all these criteria. And the reports, they do anonymize them and there's their password protected. And, and it's the company name is Disneyland and like the head of procurement is Donald Duck. And, you know, so it just depends on how much anonymizing you want to do. Uh, always replace the company name, take the logo off of it, uh, replace the figures with X's, you know, whatever it is to, to, uh, to anonymize it a little bit. I have another client who sends me stuff through Teams. So it doesn't actually get into an email. Now, I'm not a security person, Julio, so I don't know if that's the most secure, but everything's always password protected too. So. Yeah, and I like the uh, anonymizing. <laughs> such a tough word. Yes, just say. anonymizing. And, and what I do with the open workshops typically is there's a case study, right? So they write a case study between the two sessions and then, and then we put that up on the second in the second half and they get hot feedback on that and they've, if, if the group is large enough they've written in pairs or they write it on their own and everybody gets feedback on the writing and it's a really great way for people to 
not just get feedback on their own work, but to see how uh, feedback works with other people. And then they can say, oh yeah, I don't do that. Good for me. Or mm, I think I do that too. I need to think about that next time. Gotcha. So. Okay. I've got, I've got one more question for you. And we've talked about this before, but there was something I thought was interesting just in terms of language the language that we use and you were telling the story about the difference between the word must and the mm. word uh what's the other must word and should. must and should yeah 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 so what I, I just think that's fascinating how it could be what misinterpreted so could you tell that so story the, the story is the very first time I taught this again I'm at some hotel in Wetzlar Germany don't really know where I am can't speak the language and um, I had a room full of 12 German auditors and I talked about recommendation language and I said, do you use this for should or, you know, should for this and, and you can use must for that. And the whole room erupted mm. and um, terrified me. And I had, you know, went back to my room that night and did all kinds of research on should, because I think for as native speakers, there are several ways that we write recommendations. You know, we recommend plus verb plus ing or um, management should implement whatever it is. So there's, there's various ways that we can use the imperative, which is implements, controls over, whatever. Uh, but must, generally, if it's used at all, it's, you know, the building's on fire. So when I talk about findings, uh, you know, low a low-rated finding is, you know, your... Jesus, that's smoke. <laughs> I think I should go check. And a medium-risk finding is... Oh my gosh, look at that smoke coming down the hallway. We've got to, you know, we've got to get everybody out. And high risk finding is, you know, four alarm, the building's on fire, get out now. So when it's a high risk finding, a lot of companies will use must in their recommendation language. And long story long, uh, uh, should, for example, for example, I don't want to pick on Germany, but I've lived here for such a long time. Um, should is like, a suggestion you don't need to follow. It is not an obligation. And must is a normal word in the German language, like ich muss nach Hause fahren means I must drive home. But it's like, I have to drive home now, we would say, right? So so must for them is an, is an obligation, but should is like a nice to have suggestion. And, and in other countries, for example, Brazil, maybe, or in Asia, some countries in Asia, you wouldn't use must because it's too strong. So then you would use should. So there is a cultural impact on the perception of the language. And I always say, I mean, these are, these are, these are my best guidelines. However, you've got to take the, the, the culture and the environment into account when you're writing. So if in that culture should means nothing, then you don't use it. You use imperative or you use we recommend or you use must if, if that's the only way to go and vice versa. You know, you, you should if you can't use must without offending someone. Yeah. And as someone that only speaks one language, I just thought that was fascinating. I wanted you to share that. So I appreciate it. We are uh, running up against the clock here. Um, just a reminder. And then Tracy, I'll, I'll throw it to you if you want to remind everyone the dates of your upcoming uh, masterclass. But uh, just a reminder to everybody, this is the audit room on Clubhouse. We are live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. That's 11 a.m. Chicago time. Tracy, you want to take us out? Yeah, thank you. And thanks for uh, letting me revisit the subject of writing short audit reports. There's so much we can do. 
Um, the webinar is over. There is no replay, but the masterclass is on August 19th. It's the same time as the webinar, so 12, 12 noon New York, 11 your time, and uh, 6 p.m. in Berlin. And it's two hours, very, very practical looking at reports, um, the executive summaries, and in the detail on how to, how to edit, move some things around in there. And there's a chance to get hot feedback in any open workshop, audit report writing workshop is on September 20th and 21st, two half days. And if you've joined the masterclass, you can get the very special price of 297 for that report writing workshop. Perfect. All right, Thank Tracy. You. Thank you. Until next week. See you next week. All right. Bye, all. Have a good Bye, one. Leo.